Again, this is Lyle with Eugene Pruitt um, going on some amazing things that are happening in Bangladesh. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Faith <laughs> FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia. And joining us on the phone today for a feature interview is Eugene Pruitt, who is evangelizing in the 1040 window, which is that part of the world, which is um, typically seen as being the impossible place to reach people with the gospel. And uh, Eugene is there finding that people are absolutely ripe to hear the gospel message. Eugene, at the beginning of the interview, you mentioned that uh, as a result of COVID, you ended up in Bangladesh. So basically, you left the country for 10 days on a speaking appointment and then couldn't get back. And so as a result of not being able to get back to Malaysia where your schools were, you decided that, well, you may as well be doing something and ended up in Bangladesh. Why was it easier to get into Bangladesh? How did you end up getting into Bangladesh in the first place? Lyle, Bangladesh is a developing country, and they crave foreign investment and foreign visits. And when I applied for a visitor visa here just to, just to give one week of training, they gave Heidi and I both five-year visas with no uh, limited length of stay. So I knew from that one week that the doors were open here, and that's why we chose to move here. Okay, so you've moved to Bangladesh. What have you been doing in Bangladesh? Is it a repeat of what you were doing in Malaysia, setting up schools, educating young people, training people to go out and share the gospel? Yeah, I'm working towards a repeat of that. And uh, we spent some time in a village here, a Muslim village that had never seen visitors before. And I realized in that village that there was child marriage, 12-year-old people getting married, there was betel nut chewing and smoking and people with diabetes and cancer. And when I told them Bible stories, they were so excited to hear it. And I just realized that this country has as an enemy tradition. I mean, tradition is the enemy of the Bengali people. It keeps back their agriculture methods. It keeps back their ideas about marriage and about health. And uh, even when we talk about religion, tradition is the enemy. I say that if you're born in Thailand, you're going to be a Buddhist. And if you're born in Punjab, you're going to be a Sikh. But if you're a few miles away in Hyderabad, you're going to be a Hindu. If you're born in Rome, you're going to be a Catholic. If in Arkansas, you're a Baptist. If in Afghanistan, you're a Muslim. And I say to people here and elsewhere, why do we leave the most important questions of our life to tradition? Why is it? And so I teach people how to ask questions, how to back up and ask enough questions that they can find the best ways to do agriculture, the best ways to live healthy, the best way to overcome depression, the best way to search after God. And I'm finding even atheists here becoming believers. But what I realized, Lyle, is that people of Bangladesh are densely packed together. They can hardly imagine country living. I mean, in your country, you have 7.7 million square miles. This country has 50,000 square miles. But this country has six times as many people as your country. So if people like math, that means this country is 920 times as dense as Australia. Every town of Australia of a 1,000 people would become a million people here. It's just packed. So I decided to start a school here to train local people to go into the villages, to reach them, to teach them about health, about these things to start a clinic there because a clinic looks like it's the easiest way to reach these people. But because of the density of population here, land is exceedingly expensive. Like a swamp costs $20,000 an acre. 
I'm talking in U.S. dollars, not Aussie dollars. But I went looking for land, and I found, God helped us find, a piece of property that I can't imagine is even for sale here. 14 acres. 14 acres at $55,000 an acre. That's 770000 U.S. dollars. And so I've spent the last two weeks since finding it, writing to everyone I know and pleading and I want to say begging, but maybe a bit like begging, Lyle. Hence the message that triggered this interview in the first place. I got this message that came through and sort of it took me a couple of days to get back to it to actually read all of the details that you had sent through there and the prospectus and so forth. Mm-hmm. So how rare, I mean, 14 acres, how rare is it to find something like this? I mean, what are you buying? Are you buying like a village or is this rice paddies or is this swamp or, or what? what is it? Lyle, I don't think there's another property like this in the nation. It's just amazing that it's for sale. It is in a small range of hills, about 40 miles long, about five miles wide. That whole range is a national forest. You can't use it. But nestled into a corner of it is this 14 acres so that it's surrounded by this beautiful place for walking, this beautiful protected area. And yet it's just next to the road that connects the two biggest cities. So it's an outpost center that's ideal for reaching Chittagon, otherwise known as Chattagram. It just changed its name like so many countries are doing with their cities today. And this country is elevated. This 14 acres is like more than 50 meters above sea level, which is nothing in Australia, but it's just a miracle here of land that can be purchased. So I'm excited. We still need 147000 more for that phase one of buying that place and setting up the first step. Altogether, we need $850,000 to finish the project. And I'm hoping some of your listeners are going to chip in with that. Lyle, I have not waited until we get the property to start reaching people here. And already we have three individuals here who are leaving their home religion and becoming Christians through the study of the prophecies and the prophets. I know that you could just spend all day here telling stories about reaching people with the gospel. But I want to come back to this piece of land because, you know, you talk about it being elevated land within Bangladesh. Bangladesh, you know, when we think of Bangladesh, we think of river deltas, we think of it being very, very flat land. So you've got elevated land. It's surrounded, what, on three sides by national forest? So there'd be the equivalent here in Australia of a national park? Is that the the kind of thing that we're talking about? Yeah, a national forest is a, similar to a national park, not quite the same. It means you can't log it, but you're welcome to walk in it. You're welcome to hike in it. So maybe similar to one of your national parks there in Australia. Uh, listen, Lyle, when you talked about this being a land of river deltas, that's not wrong. It is a entire country built on the silt of the Himalayas. That's what it is, and flat. But a little ripple of a tectonic activity has made that tiny area there, and I think God just prepared it for us. So I'm looking forward to moving there tomorrow morning. At this time tomorrow morning, I'm on a train moving that direction. And this piece of land that you found, you mentioned that it's elevated as national forest, etc. A national forest, is that something that is common in Bangladesh? Because when we think of Bangladesh, we think of large, less than clean cities, rice paddies, you know, that kind of thing. Is this a country that has national parks, national forests, that kind of environment? It's unique, Lyle. Now, I don't want to to lie against this country. Bangladesh has a huge national forest, a huge one. It's the Sudarbans. But this is 
mangrove swamp in the Bengal Sea. <laughs> so it's not a place right. that could be used for anything else. But as far as habitable land, this is unique and uh, just amazing. Yeah, it sounds like an opportunity that, you know, sort of only comes once in a lifetime. Now, you mentioned that you needed to raise, what, $750,000, something like that? Yeah, 770000 of which God has helped me already with pledges and gifts of about 500 of that. Okay, so you've made a good start on that. One of the things that I like to do when I'm looking for a project to support is to support a project that is having success because that indicates to me that, you know, God is moving here and your plan there to, you know, a unique property, set up a training school, a health center, somewhere where people can learn about health, where they can learn about agriculture, more or less a city outpost. Am I getting the correct picture here of what you're planning to build there? Yeah, you have it. And also a camp where Christians can meet together. Because right now, Christians here really meet together in local churches. But as far as regional meetings, there's no place they can do it. And I want to make a camp like that, where Christians can come together, thousands of them, and camp on the grounds and see the beauty of nature. You know, from that camp, there's Rock Bluff that you can look at. And uh, one kilometer walk uphill is a beautiful waterfall with the pools you can swim in. I just want to bring these Bengali Christians into a place that is a little more like heaven than anything they've seen before, a clean place. That sounds absolutely stunning. You mentioned running uh, health programs and training programs in relationship to health. You know, here in Australia, our country is awash with health spas. People love to go to somewhere like that and just sort of have a cleanse weekend or whatever it might be. Is Bangladesh the kind of country where you're going to get that clientele? Are there wealthy people that would come to this? Or is this something that you're setting up for to, to help out, you know, the average villager who might be living in poverty? So we have uh, set a principle up from the very beginning that for every pain patient that comes to the health clinic, we'll accept a Cherokee patient. That means half our patients will be from the villagers. But Lyle, I have a, another principle that maybe is one reason why people support my work in Malaysia and elsewhere. I don't think that a ministry ought to need support continuously. So that's why we sell books, and that's why we're going to charge for the services we do in that clinic. Yes, there are wealthy people in Bangladesh. Bangladesh produces perhaps 70% of the clothing that is used in the United States. And this country has many wealthy factory owners. Also, we'll have foreign clientele that will come and will use that clinic and will be paying. And for every one of those people who pay, we'll be offering services for free to someone who could never pay a penny. Yeah, it sounds absolutely sensational, Eugene. How do we go about supporting this project? All right. So I understand that I'm on radio with you, and so people can't really write things down. But if they will look up Mara Vision Outreach, that's on Google, Mara Vision Outreach, or even type that, maravisionoutreach.org, where Mara has no H on it. Okay, so, so, M-A-R-A. so M-A-R-A, Vision. Uh-huh. VisionOutreach.org, MaraVisionOutreach.org. Now, when you look at that site, you're going to think, what? There's nothing about Bangladesh here. It's all about the Maasai people in Africa. That's true. Mara Vision is an American 501c3 that has partnered with me here. But if you go to their 
page for donations, you'll find a pull-down option for Bangladesh. So that's me on the Mara Vision Outreach page. More than that, I am on Facebook at Eugene William Pruitt, where Pruitt is P-R-E-W-I-T-T. And I'm going to paste on my page Australian details where people can make bank transfers directly to those Australian details. That's with that organization called TransferWise that now is WISE. And uh, that would just save all kinds of exchange uh, problems. But anyway, better that way than any other way, than no way. So they could do it direct through our Australian details or through that American 501c3. Okay, so if we go to Facebook, we uh, type in Eugene William Pruitt, and we'll be able to identify you there, I guess, because of the work that you're doing that will be on your page, working in in Malaysia and now Bangladesh, so that we know that we're in the right place and we'll be able to find those bank details there. I think that's an excellent way of being able to support this. And I'm super glad that you've got a bank account here in Australia. That's exceptional. And, of course, the other way you mentioned, maravisionoutreach.org. And if you go to their donation page, you can find a drop-down tab for the work in Bangladesh. So two ways of finding Eugene's project right there and supporting it. Probably the best way is just to head over to Facebook, get those Australian bank details, pop it in there, and that way the money won't have to travel around the world and lose a whole lot of uh, on exchange rates and so forth. Um, Eugene, something that might be important to some of our listeners, and of course, if you're a regular listener to Faith FM, you know that this this uh, station is sponsored by the Adventist Church. You're obviously doing this as a uh, a self-supporting ministry, which is fantastic. But I understand that the Adventist Church there in Bangladesh is partnering with you in this project or potentially partnering with you in this project in some way? Yeah, no, the partnering it means that they are applauding and cooperating and are happy. It doesn't mean that they're contributing any money. Uh, but they are going to move their local headquarters from Chittagon out to this place because I've explained to the administration there that it's much better for their families not to grow up in the city. So I'd like to see their children growing up out in this uh, this beautiful natural area, and one of the leaders there, the president of that organization, is going to be one of our instructors. He's a godly man named Milton. I'm very appreciative of them. And uh, Lyle, when I am in the 1040 window, I don't talk so much about denominations as I would if I was in Australia or if I was in America. What I think here, where the people aren't Christian at all, is let's get them to the point of loving and trusting the Bible and thinking a lot about Jesus. And when they get past that huge hurdle, then let's teach them the fine points. And those fine points, hey, I hope they join my denomination. But, you know, if they join some other Christian church, I think they've made a real step up from from uh, Buddhism or Hinduism or atheism or Islam. And so that gives you an idea of how I think and what I'm doing here. Mm, absolutely. No, I appreciate that very much. Now, we were talking about the 1040 window earlier and we were talking about danger and risk and so forth. One of the questions that I haven't asked yet is in relationship to Bangladesh compared to Malaysia. Now, you've had, you've had people that have, that have been imprisoned in Malaysia. You've, you've had students that have been imprisoned in Malaysia. Your own life has been under threat. At least one person there who has disappeared. What's the level of risk like in Bangladesh compared to Malaysia? Bangladesh wants to be friends with Western nations, so it really represses radicalism. I mean, it's an enemy of radicalism. So there are some radicals here. Some famously, some atheistic bloggers have been hacked to death with machetes, and some Christians that have been selling books at the Ron Venus have been imprisoned. 
But I think the risk here is less than in Malaysia. None of the people I'm working with personally have been persecuted in any ways other than threats. Now, in Malaysia, you were uh, you, you mentioned a lot about you know selling books, going door to door, those kinds of things. Is there opportunity to do that kind of ministry in Bangladesh? Yeah, we're going to be doing it starting in a few months. The reason I haven't started yesterday is because. I have to get the books printed first. Well, I guess you're in one of those countries where we often outsource our printing too, so maybe that's a good thing. The um, the land that you're buying there, a sensational piece of property. My understanding is that this is an undeveloped property. What's the cost of developing and what will be some of the obstacles that might hinder the development of this particular property? Are there going to be restrictions because it backs onto what's effectively a national park? So this land isn't part of that park. It's just buttressed to that park. What's there now is agriculture land, and the first level of development will be putting in a significant orchard and garden for self-support so we can feed ourselves. Then we'll be building dormitories, and then finally that health clinic, also a training center. It looks to me like building in this country costs about $27 a square foot or about $250 a square meter for pretty high quality built buildings. So I'm looking at about half a million dollars for the development here and a lot more details. If anyone wants them, they can write to me. My email address is ieat, I-E-A-T, senior, S-E-N-I-O-R, at gmail.com. Ieat senior at gmail.com. That stands for the Institute of East Asia Training, the senior campus in Malaysia, but they don't need to know that, do they? I eat senior at gmail.com. If they write to me, I'll send them all kinds of information. Yeah, and that sounds to be a project that is well worth supporting because, you know, your uh, money is certainly going a lot further there than what it would be here in Australia. We, we wouldn't be building, you know, quality buildings for $250 a square metre here in Australia. So you can certainly accomplish a lot. Your money is going to go a long way in supporting this project. And so just repeating that again, this is Eugene's email. If you would like to get in contact, you can, of course, find him, Eugene William Pruitt on Facebook. And Pruitt, of course, is spelt P-R-E-W-I-T-T. But you can email him direct, I E-A-T senior at gmail.com is his address and you can find him right there to get, uh, you can get the full prospectus of, uh, of everything that's taking place. Eugene, what you're doing there in Bangladesh and of course in Malaysia before that is absolutely inspiring. It is inspiring to see people who are getting out and willing to take the risk to reach people in these countries. It is inspiring to see people giving their lives to Jesus in these countries and to see that the work is progressing and moving forward and has great potential um, in these countries. So often all we hear about is the hard work that is taking place and we just want to wish you God's blessing as you progress with this project. And if you're a listener out there today, I would encourage you to look up ways of supporting this project. Find Eugene William Pruitt on Facebook where you can support the project or at Maravision outreach.org or just uh, you know get in contact direct with that email address ieat senior at gmail.com. Uh, this is a, a fantastic project. Eugene, thank you so much for coming on to Faith FM today to talk about what you're doing um, and to inspire us with what is happening in the 1040 window. Thank you so much, Lyle, for having me. And I can't wait until I can visit Australia again when COVID craziness is over. And may God bless your listeners with wisdom to reach the local people in their country. You have them there, not just from, from Bangladesh and Malaysia, but you have them from the Middle East too. May God help us all.
Amen. Thank you. That was Eugene Pruitt talking about his work in the 1040 window and particularly a project that he's working on in Bangladesh right now. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Uh, we had some comments on, on some of the stories that were being shared. Um, Stuart from Sawtell, he sends us his greetings and he says, Did you know that soil gives off a lovely aroma when you plough it? Oh, there you so go. When you play depends the... on the soil, right? Yeah, I think so. If it's like overly drenched in manure, then yes, that could less lovely. But I to- actually, I can totally agree. Like I, I, I have you know plowed my fair share of soil, yep. um, and well, specifically like in trying to make motorbike tracks. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but like digging dirt and stuff. Oh, it smells really, really good. So I agree. Um, ooh. Also, this was a comment on Tabby, the story that you were sharing. It says, no money in your card. I had the experience of helping someone who had that problem. Let me assure you, it was uh, it was I who actually received the blessing. Who knows? In the future, it might be us who need the helping hand. So, so thanks, Rafi. So has that got something to do with the text, it's better to give than receive? I think so. Totally. And, and uh, you know, Rafi, great guy, regular texter, and we know that he yeah. loves and follows the Lord. And, um, yeah, he's commenting on that very thing, his experience of, yeah, giving and being blessed through it. Absolutely. Definitely yeah. better to give than receive. And, we, you know, we just need to be in tune with God so that when mm. God says, here's your moment, do That's it. That's right. Yep. Mm. Oh, so true, guys. And speaking of... God's moments. Well, we've come to the encounter with God section. Before we get into the Bible study, I have a few quick announcements. The first one is that you heard Eugene Pruitt talking there, a good 40, 50 minutes of it, which was fantastic, obviously. That's why we got him on the show. But we just want to let you know that we will be posting the links to his website and whatnot. If you give us a call, 0491064669, uh, call or text us, and we'll be able to give you all his information. Or if you head over to the Faith FM Facebook. So Faith FM Australia on Facebook, you'll be able to find his information there. The other big announcement, we want to welcome Canberra to our listening base over the uh, the holiday period. Uh, they have now received a transmitter. They're getting the live Yay! show through 87.6. I've been seeing online some some different uh, testimonies, some different thoughts. Actually, sure, someone who might be listening right now, shout out Sheridan. I saw on his Facebook um, yeah, some, some uh, uh, some beef that was going down with some locals who were unhappy that we took over the local rave station, I think it was. Ah. Uh, Faith FM got in there on 87.6 and has, has, has uh, taken <laughs> yeah. over the airwaves, which I think is definitely a blessing. Well, so. we're still raving. We're just raving about Jesus. Amen. <laughs> oh, that, yeah. that's, that's not sheep stealing, that's radio waves. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> we're raving about Christ. Awesome. And that means that we can now get into our Bible study encounter with God. Guys, we are going to be studying this quarter um, our 20 million movement. I should say like 23 million movement. Mm. That's the numbers that we're up around now. Uh, but our 20 million movement uh, of all those people studying the Bible on the same day is on the book of Hebrews. Mm. Uh, it is a favorite. I know it's a favorite of Lyle's. It's a favorite of yeah. mine. It is a fantastic piece of scripture. You'll find it if you're sitting there reading the Bible. Uh, you can follow along with us. You'll find it after the T section, after the of Philemon as well. The book of Hebrews is a really incredible book, but it's also quite a mysterious book as well, um, because we kind of need to work out who, what, and when um, through the text itself. So the book of Hebrews 
is just known in the uh, earliest manuscripts as the, it was originally written like uh, pro ebraeus I think in in Greek, uh, which is just two Hebrews. Uh, no, and when you read the book of Hebrews, unlike you know maybe the book of James, where it says James, a bondservant of Christ, an apostle of the, or or Paul, you know, a a servant of Christ, writing to you, it just starts straight in with mm. verse one, um, not giving us any indication as to who wrote it. Now, in later um, manuscripts, it's described that Paul is the author, but in mm. our earliest ones, we actually don't know. But it is very safe to assume that Paul wrote this. Uh, scholars have kind of gone through and seen some of the things that are that are written, some of the ways that references are made. But whoever wrote this, essentially, this was a sermon to Jewish people from the Christian perspective. It's like, okay, Christ has come to fulfill the faith, and we're giving you insight into how that actually took place. And there's a lot of illusions that take place uh, that, that that head towards you know the sacrificial yeah. system, the temple, um, the uh, the different festivals and holidays, and how they all pointed to Christ. And you'll find that we'll be studying that right yeah. throughout as we as we make our way through the book of Hebrews. Um, something else to know when we're kind of ascribing a time to the book of Hebrews. Um, you know, we can ascribe periods of time to most of the books of the Bible. This one, again, because it doesn't have an author listed down, also doesn't have a, you know, in the year of this king with this person mm. around, such and such and such. Like, we can't find an exact time. But one thing that we do know about the book of Hebrews is that it was most likely, in fact, you can be 99% certain that it was written before the year AD 70. What do you guys know? What took place in the year AD seventy in the ancient world, specifically around that time in in ancient Jerusalem? Well, the temple, yeah. Well, Jerusalem itself was completely destroyed. Destroyed. Yeah, the whole place was kind of set on fire and uh, you know besieged, and so they had a period of sieging. You know, the people got weakened, and then Rome moved in. Um, and basically destroyed everything. The reason we say it was written before AD 70 uh, is because this was probably one of the most historically uh, important events to the Jews even to this day. They're still trying to get back into Mm. Jerusalem to rebuild the temple after the AD 70 destruction. Um, It was hugely significant, yet the book of Hebrews is absolutely silent about it. There is no mention in the book of Hebrews at all about uh, about the destruction of Jerusalem, but a lot of advocation and advice kind of given to them um, to be ready for different struggles and sacrifices that they may go to. And the best uh, kind of example of that, do you guys want to read for us? Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. And when, we're not going to get too deep in this because Lyle and I uh, and or, you know all our Faith of Him team, we want to go through and start from the very beginning of the book and do like a verse-by-verse verse kind of going through and really digging deep into it. But if we come to Hebrews chapter 12, um, Rick, do you want to pick it up in verse 1 and 2 for yeah, us? Yeah, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Mm, powerful passage, eh? Just like, in two verses, you've just got this. <laughs> it's uh, what we would call 
theologically dense. Like there is so much going on, and we can unpack it a little bit as we come after our, our next song plays. But uh, I think the thing to really draw out of this is Paul here, or whoever the writer is, is pointing towards the suffering of Christ um, and saying that, hey, just as Jesus suffered, let us run the race mm. of endurance. It, you know, alluding to that future destruction that would come. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We've, we've done all of them, so we can just get back into our encounter Stay. with God and continue to work our way through. So we were in Hebrews chapter 12, and we read verse 1 and 2. Um, oh, man, oh, I just want to spend time here, but I don't want to. I want to let us get there as we work our way through the book. But something that's so clear here is yes, this point of running the race of endurance. Why? Looking at how, or how and why? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, um, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Um, ultimately, the book of Hebrews, as I mentioned before, was this consummation of what Hebrew, what Jewish people believed, and who Christ was and how he fulfilled it. And he's constantly making this connection, like. All the way through, you know, there's books of the Bible that, that will specifically in the New Testament, um, when you look at the different books that give different advices, you know, at different times and different people. And it's good to understand the context of, of what's going on. For example, you read the book of James and James yeah. is just like front to back, hardcore, <laughs> Tell, like this is how it is. Martin Believe Luther's in Jesus. Non-favorite book. Yeah, <laughs> he actually tore it out of his Bible. He was like not about it. I think he came around towards the end of his yeah. life, but it ultimately it's his big point of uh, the, you know the big theme of James, like faith without works is dead. Do, you do, know, do, yeah. do, you know we have a work to do for God. Um, you read the book of First Corinthians, for example, and it's like. This is not how to run a church. Please fix your <laughs> lives. Um, you read the book of Philippians, which is all about joy in trials. Um, the book of Hebrews is this big theological exposition and symposium on what Hebrews believe, what Jewish people believe, um, their orthodoxy, everything, and how Jesus came to fulfill. And you see that from the very first couple of verses. So let's go to Hebrews Chapter 1, and we might read verse 1 and 2. So, Tabby, if you've got that in front of us, you can pick it up. Sure. Hebrews 1, 1 to 2. In the past, God spoke to the ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, who he, he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he also made the universe. Mm, awesome stuff. So, he says here, like... I think this is Paul's method throughout Hebrews. He first introduced a familiar concept to them, and then he makes the Christ connection, the, the yeah. Christological connection, yeah. you know, that yeah. type, anti-type. Mm. He starts where he's like, God, who has various times and in various ways spoke in the past to our fathers by the prophets. Now, prophets in Israel are like yeah, hand in hand. Like, well, we have the yeah. scripture today because of them. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's he's speaking their language and then mm. saying, but there's more. That's right. That's right. Really like getting to the heart like here of because for the Hebrews um, and I think even for us today, like our rule of faith, our understanding of God is wholly and solely based on the word of scripture. And it has to be. The Bible is the primary resource of information about God. And this is something that for, for Hebrews and Israelites themselves, they were incredibly like rigid in. Uh, 
in the pagan world, you know, you had all different gods, you know, set up by all different countries, ascribed to all different things. A god was like a flag. It, it represented like, yes, it represented, you know, beliefs and ideals, but also represented like state boundary lines and all kinds of things. By the time you get down to the to the Greek and Roman eras, you had this kind of collective coming and get it together of pagan religions, de- definitely under Romanism. Um, but still, it was a collection from all the different countries of paganism. And But at the end of the day, it was just made up. In terms of, like, sacred texts or whatever, there was some great things Medo-Persians were doing in astrology that was very scientific and good, but there was no r- real rule of faith. It was like, oh, well, if I want to be blessed in life, I guess I'll pray to the fish god and then I'll catch lots of fish. Or I'll, if there's a <laughs> drought, I'll pray to the rain god and sacrifice my children to them and then there'll it, be rain. Hey, just on a... Oh, just on that, fascinating, the, the ruins in Bath in, in, London, in, in England, mm. they found tablets, prayer tablets, mm. uh, Roman prayer tablets that were, all the prayers were about cursing someone else. Mm. Uh, Zeus, or whoever the god was, uh, at the chariot race today, <laughs> would you make their wheel fall off, let them cut? And in all of the ruins, they found not one not one tablet of affirmation. Harsh. Wow. So that so the connection between the individual and their God was payback, payback, payback. That's right. So if I'm praying for someone, it's not for their benefit or their be- um, Jesus turned that right on his head. That's right. That's right. And I think like this is, the, I'm not going to say that outside of, you know, um, the Hebrew Bible or outside of Christianity, there wasn't wisdom. Like, sure. you know, there was, I, and I mean, in the sense of like, there was many, many writings and many, many things written down. But for the Hebrews, they were like, no, we receive word through the prophets, through our yeah. God, who we know it's Yahweh. Yeah the God and the creator of everything. Mm. Like this was their, their stake. This was their claim is like, you know, we re- we've received everything through the prophets and we need to strictly adhere to the words of the prophets. We need to be studying the Bible. And at this time, you know, rabbinical school, it was you memorize the Torah by age 12, you memorize the rest of the Bible uh, around the time you were, uh, I think around graduation time between 16 and 18, something yep. like that. Then you became a, uh, a disciple of a rabbi and then you became a rabbi yourself. Like to the, to the Hebrews, Hebrew, to the Pharisees, to zealots, like all these things. It's like the Bible is the rule of faith. The prophets are the rule of faith. Um, and this is where Paul, we are assuming the writer, let's just say it's Paul, just Paul. for, just for yeah. my sake. Yeah. Um, oh, let's just say the writer. This is where the writer comes in and he speaks their language. That's it. He's like, all we have for our faith is the prophets. And who did the prophets speak to? Our fathers. And that's how we are here today. We exist as a nation because of the words that the prophets said and the way that God worked through them. Um, obviously, he's acknowledging the, the great, and he will later as well, acknowledge the great miracles that happened in Israel, the great ways that God worked and, and all these different things. But it's like our rule of faith is the prophets, the Bible, mm. the things that have been written down. And now the yeah. ultimate prophet has come. All has been revealed yep. through who? His son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, um, through whom also he made the worlds. Now, this is probably pricked up the um, the Hebrew listener, and it's interesting that in this first chapter, I'm pretty sure all the way until the end, Christ, like Jesus specifically, isn't mentioned at all. He's just making this point that a son would come, a Messiah would come. 
and he would be the fulfillment of the prophets. He would be the ultimate prophet. He would be bringing them um, salvation, all these different things. Um, and we go on to read about that. Actually, let's get the next two verses. Rick, do you want to get three well, uh, and four for us? Yeah. Um, let me find that. Three th- oh, <laughs> who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by his word of his power... When he and by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Oh, the Hebrew reader reading this, like... Who is it? Who is it? Again, <laughs> their eyes would be lighting up, their ears would be pricked up. It would be like... Yeah, again, like you said, who is this? Like, yeah. who who is this person who has come? Who is the Messiah? And it's interesting, I, I just kind of read through. It's not until chapter 3 and verse 1 that Paul actually yeah. reveals. Uh, it says, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the yeah. heavenly calling, consider the apostle and the high priest of our confession, Christ, Christ Jesus. Jesus. Like, he ultimately Bingo. reveals, he's like, this is our guy. This is our man. And, and obviously he works through the rest of the next two chapters, and that's what we're going to be studying over the next days, to make this case. But he brings it in. He yeah. brings it all together. It's in, like, get to the point, get to the point. Yes, and it's like Christ Jesus. And I feel like, yeah, that would have elicited very interesting reactions from the yeah. Hebrew listeners. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Welcome back to Faith FM. Right now it is time for... Question of the Day. All right, Rick, what is the question of the day? This is a big question, folks, and to handle this just in one morning is even difficult. I'll read it out. That's Are right. you sure ready for this? this? How, do you deal, how do you deal with a person who continues to vindictively bring pain to your family... Oh, and others, even to the point of getting someone fired. Is it okay to distance yourself from them, or how do you forgive and set up boundaries? For me, there's a number of issues in there that are really yeah. important to address. How much time have we got yeah, on this? Yeah, look, we've got about four minutes and 13 seconds. That being said, like... This sounds like an incredibly personal question. Yeah. Um, and so, we, yeah, we don't have the, the name included. Um, but, yeah, we would love to answer it. And I guess, from my perspective at least, I can only come at it with the Bible. And I, I think the big question for me, so it lists out like a bunch of essentially wrong, uh, bad things that have happened. Yep. And, it's like, and, and the question is how to deal with a person who puts you in this position or situation. Um, do you like cut contact with them or do you set up boundaries and forgive? And I would say that the answer is both, according to the Bible at least. Um, and both, I mean, ultimately, like we are going to look at some different principles, but God has given us um, skills and abilities and also by the power of prayer, we can work out these situations. But I want to read you a passage that yep. I find quite interesting uh, from 1 Corinthians chapter 5. It says this, uh, this is actually Paul writing and responding to a bunch of problems that he was that a church was experiencing. And he says, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Yet I certainly did not mean with sexually immoral people of this world or with covetous or extortioners or idolaters. Since then, you would need to go out of the world. But now I've written to you 
to not keep company with anyone uh, who is sexually immoral or covetous or, di- or idolater or, or a reveler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not to even eat with such a person. For what I have, uh, for what have I to do with judgment, judging those also who are outside? Do you not judge those who are inside? But those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. Now, God is giving them some advice on how they should run their church. And he's ultimately saying, hey, for those outside of the church who are doing all these terrible things, um, you know, ruining their lives and hurting other people, well, you know, who are we to judge? But to those inside the church, we are actually in a place to judge. And we should judge. And we should deal with situations. Appropriately and accordingly, and he's and he even gives them like exhortation that if there is a need to not spend time with them or eat with them or whatever, then cut them off. Like that's in you know to me coming at it with a twenty twenty one church lens of like oh we need to be open and accepting. Amen. We do, but like it's saying very clearly here. Like at the same time, there is a need yeah. to instill boundaries. You need responsible boundaries. And, yeah. and, and I think I think there's there's a number of levels in this question. Mm. Has the has the has the individual gone and spoken to that person? If there's no resolution to that, mm. how do you then maintain your boundaries? And forgiveness to me is another thing. You can still forgive. Mm. Um, um, in the sense that God expects of us to do, but the yeah. other side of it is protecting your own boundaries and and protecting yourself in that whole process is really important to me. Um, and, and like the scripture says, um, there is a cutoff point where, where you're not cutting off the person in terms of they're lost, they're lost, they're lost, but I've got to protect myself and what's going on here. So That's yeah. right. And I feel like like this is talking in the, in the context of a church, church, which I think could very easily then be applied to a family, mm. like to the, to the spiritual state of a family, to the way that they're heading. And, and now there was some details in that question of people getting fired, fired and being yeah. vindictive and, and causing all kinds of issues. And now, you know, I can't sit here. I'm not, a, I'm not a counselor. Yep. I'm mm. not a mental health professional. I'm not like a family, family health professional, <laughs> but it's a I, big context to this yeah, question that, that I'm not aware that of. That we just don't know. Yeah. Um, but at the sa- that being said, you know the Bible does give us license to put up those boundaries when needed. But I love how you mentioned their forgiveness as well, because the reality is, um, you know, the Bible says very clearly, if we don't forgive others their trespasses, God won't forgive us. So there is a need to have that balance uh, and to work out from there, you know, how to take those steps of forgiveness, but boundaries as well. Tabby, Rick, thank you so much for, for joining you. us this morning. Rick, you'll be here tomorrow. Yes. Tabby, you'll be joining us, I think, again on Thursday. Yes. And then and closing. And Friday. Thursday and Friday. So closing out the week. So amazing. What, what are you guys going to be spending the day doing? Uh, my hands will be in a bit of soil. <laughs> oh, nice, man! Getting those, getting those. Um... Roma tomatoes, zucchinis are doing really well. We, yeah, we, we're having fun. Yeah, how about yourself? I'll be working, so back to work, and Do the same. <laughs> wishing everyone else luck. That's back to work today. It's sort of rough, but also exciting. New year, new challenge. Yeah. You can do it. Yeah, can that's it. right. Oh man. We- I am also going to be getting back into some work. Maybe I'll go s- touch some dirt. I don't know when I get. Yeah, home. ride the bike. I'll, t- I'll touch. <laughs> we'll some give you a pot plant. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but I'll definitely be spending the day. Um, and how we all should be spending the day is with God, with spending God. time with Him in His Word. But guys, remember to always talk faith, live faith, and act, act faith. faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. Amen. God be with you till we meet again. 
castle's guide uphold you With the sheep securely fold you God be with you till we meet again Until we meet again At Jesus' feet Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.